Bethlehem, you're coming to Israel and going to Israel, alright? <laughs> so then you won't be left just imagining, well, what could it possibly be like? You'll have seen the places and it will help you, will it not? Yeah. Of course, you'll never read the Bible the same way. Well, praise God. So we're talking about the hills of Judea. We're talking about the little town of Bethlehem. We think about it at this time of year. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. It happens to be known as the city of David as well. And such a significant place because obviously we, we, we know the whole story of Ruth. You can read about the story of Ruth. And it's all based around that particular area, that particular area of Bethlehem. Ruth and Boaz. We know it was the city, the home of, of Jesse and the father, the father and the family of David in that particular area. We know that the scriptures proclaim that it would be the place where the Messiah would be born into the world. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Very, very important. An important place, though it may look significant, it's known as Bethlehem Ephrathah or Ephrat. Because there is another Bethlehem in the Galilee. Did you know that? There's another Bethlehem in the Galilee. But I just wanted to imagine that what it was like on that dark night. And uh, some have suggested, and including myself, until further research, you know, that it couldn't have been during the winter because the, 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 during the winter months the, the flocks would not be out in the fields. But, however, after further research, I have discovered that it is absolutely possible that the, the flocks could have been out in the fields at that particular time. And it's all to do with the, the significance of the location, we'll talk about that shortly. Those were not just normal sheep, alright? So we'll get there in a moment, something to think about. But we're talking about this, the, the audience, we're told that the shepherds were there watching these sheep. And you've got to understand that the, the shepherds were pretty much despised within that ancient Jewish first century society. The farmers certainly didn't like the shepherds, you can imagine why, right? You can imagine why. You're going to plant your plantations or whatever, you've got sheep trying to graze and everything and eating all what you're planting, and it's a problem, isn't it? So they, don't, they didn't like the shepherds. The shepherds were despised by the religious authorities. They were usually like the, on the margin of society, outcasts. They were not able to be um, re reliable, reliable witnesses. The rabbis despised them. And it was to these people, these outcasts of Jewish society, that Jesus would be revealed. That the angels of heaven would proclaim the birth of the Messiah. You know, I want you to think about these things when you're reading the narratives. Because if these things were made up, then surely you would want to say that the Lord came in pomp and ceremony. You know, and maybe, maybe in Jerusalem, you know, there would be the, the authorities and everything, all of this pomp and ceremony. Of course, that was not to be. The Lord was revealed to the outcasts of society. And at this particular, on this particular night, we see that an angel of the Lord stood before these shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Ah, oh, two would have been greatly afraid if an angel of the Lord had stood before me. I'd have thought it was my time. <laughs> the glory of the Lord shone around them. We're not talking about angels, friends. We're not talking about little babes who were flying around with wings. You know. Do you like that? I mean, 
sometimes they're described as huge things, aren't they? You know, these, these, these beams of light. Wow. It's incredible. Imagine that scene, the glory of the Lord shining around these shepherds on that night. Let's keep reading. It says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. It's actually a feeding trough for the animals. Okay? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine? These, these beams of light, these shining heavenly beams filling the sky and just declaring, I imagine in harmony, in unison, glory to God in the highest. I don't know what it sounded like. It would have been awesome. Maybe it's because I'm quiet. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. You see the veil between that which is seen and that which is unseen was being lifted. And those shepherds, those lowly shepherds on that night seen, beholding things that the, the religious authorities hadn't seen. Right. Hearing things that the religious authorities and the dignitaries and so on hadn't seen or heard. That, that wonderful, awesome scene to behold. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward men. It was the song of the angels. And I just want to I want us to think about what they were crying out. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. You see, they marveled. I believe those angels marveled at the work of God. Yeah. I really do. Firstly, they marveled at the wonder of God's salvation. The wonder of God's salvation. Heaven rejoiced over God's salvation. And heaven still rejoices over yeah. God's salvation. When one sinner turns in repentance and faith to God, the Bible says the whole of heaven rejoices Amen. over that sinner who turns. Yeah. A multitude of angels appeared. And an event that just doesn't happen, right? But it did on that particular night. Seeing so many angels in one place, giving glory and praise to God. And it starts with this declaration. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Because all salvation brings glory to God. Why? Because salvation originates with God. It originates with God. We serve a saving God. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, the apostle John gets a glimpse of the heavenly courts and hearing a multitude crying out, Salvation! Belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh my goodness. We used to sing a song about that. Salvation. That's it. Praise God. I'm not the one gifted with a voice to sing. Very well, anyway. Hallelujah. The angels rejoiced because the plan of redemption was God's very own plan. You see, I believe that the angelic host, they were looking on. And they saw right at the beginning of the dawn of creation, 
I believe they were there watching and seeing, seeing the Son of God molding and forming that first man from the dust of the earth. They beheld the breath of God entering into that first man, Adam, and then coming up from the earth with full of life, suddenly becoming a living being. They saw that, they beheld the wonder of that at creation. But they also beheld when the fall of man took place. They also beheld that, that those tragic circumstances where they saw that, you know, the first couple expelled from the garden. They saw that the, the Caribbean standing with the, the flaming sword so they couldn't return. They witnessed the events of history. And I'm sure they marveled time and time again as God would reveal his hand of salvation where he would save his people. They saw a nation formed from the nations of the earth. From, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they watched the, the history, the trajectory of this people throughout history. They saw all of the things that God was doing. And they heard the voice of the Spirit of God speaking clearly through his prophets about a day that would come when the Messiah, the Messiah of the lineage of David from the royal house of David would be born in a place called Bethlehem. And they waited and waited and marveled until that night. Until that night in the fullness of time when the Son of God was born into children. When the Word became flesh. Hallelujah. They were marveling. They cried out, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. In Isaiah 43 verse 11, the, 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 the Spirit of God says, I, even I am the Lord and besides me, there is no Saviour. There is no Saviour. You see, when we talk about salvation, we talk about Saviour, it couldn't be any man. It couldn't be, no matter how good, no matter how, how pious, how, how committed, dedicated, how religious, no one was qualified, no one could pay the price for us. No one. But the Lord declared, I even I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Saviour. There is no Saviour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we're told that that night, there was going to be born in the city of David a Saviour, the Saviour of all mankind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Salvation belongs to our God. They were marvelling at the wonder of God's salvation. But secondly, I believe they were marveling at the, the mystery of God's incarnation. Wow. <coughs> Reading through John's Gospel at the moment in my devotionals, and again I'm stuck in John chapter 1. You know, and just that opening line in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with being face to face with God, the Father. And the Word was God. And then in verse 14, John goes on to say, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word became flesh. The one who was there in all of eternity. The one who was there at the dawn of creation. Through whom that first couple came into being. Do you understand that, friends? The Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. Literally meaning something like He tabernacled 
with us. He t- and that, 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 that language is important, yeah. friends. Yeah. To tabernacle with us. And then you go back and read about the tabernacle. Yeah. And you understand that that, my friends, was the place, the dwelling place of God in the midst of his people. Yeah. It's where the Lord wanted to come down from Mount Sinai because he didn't want to be a God that was far from his people. He was a God that was with his people. But he wanted to dwell in the midst of his people. And so he leaves that, that, that Mount Sinai and he comes down and then Moses is he's told and instructed to prepare a tent, a tabernacle, a place of dwelling. And when everything is prepared, the glory of the Lord, the presence, the Shekinah, Shekinah, the Shekinah of God comes. And that means presence. That's the presence. Sometimes it's a, a, a pillar of fire, sometimes it's a cloud. It's the presence of Almighty God. Leaves Mount Sinai and comes and, and rests upon the ark, upon the ark of the covenant. Hallelujah. The mercy seat in the holy of holies. And the glory of God was tabernacling with his people. The glory of God was veiled by those curtains, friends. And later on, the Bible tells us that a temple was built. And we see a similar incident knowing the temple was prepared in Solomon. He dedicates the temple. And then the Bible says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple to such a point the priests were unable to minister. Can you imagine what it was like? Oh my goodness, we need to be in awe of these things. We need to be in awe of these things. We've got people saying they're they're wandering up to the throne room in and out like it's been, you know, a a works canteen or something. We've got to be in awe of these things. This is the presence of God. The creator of the universe. The Holy One of Israel. Wow. And so he tabernacled. And his glory was veiled. First in the tabernacle. Then in the temple. But then the glory of the Lord was veiled in human flesh. In human flesh. Oh my goodness. John declares we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. And I wonder what it was like, friends, to stand on that Mount of Transfiguration and just be enveloped by that cloud and just see Jesus transcending. You know, the glory of God shining through the veil of his flesh. Wow. Hallelujah. This is the Lord. <coughs> who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped onto, held onto. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You want to know why these people, why these angels, these heavenly beings, was crying out, Glory to God in the highest! Because they were in awe of what they were beholding. That the Son, the eternal Son, God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, of the triune Godhead, would take, would step away from all the glory of heaven, would lay aside all of that glory and majesty, and he would veil his glory, and he would humble himself and, and, and become a child, a boy child. That, my friends, is awesome. And no, he did not leave aside any of his attributes. He continued to be God from start to finish. Otherwise, we were saved by a demigod. Okay? And that's not the truth. Despite what you hear sometimes. 
The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 9, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Oh my goodness. To walk with Jesus of Nazareth was to walk with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To talk with Jesus of Nazareth was to talk with God Almighty, failing in the flesh. And we're not talking about just God with some skin on, friends. It wasn't just God with some skin on. He was perfectly human. And He was perfectly God. And these two natures were wonderfully united. There was a oneness that's, how do we describe it? The angels were in awe of the mystery of the incarnation. The Saviour being born into the world. Why? As we've said before, he was to draw near, to take upon himself human flesh, to experience humanity, so that he might be able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, so that he might be the perfect Savior who has tasted humanity, who knows what it is to be tempted and yet not sin, so that we might have victory over sin as well. Hallelujah. He knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to weep. Think of us when he stood, you know, weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. Knowing that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet, he was touched by what he was going through. He felt those emotions so that he could be our perfect saviour. He learned obedience through his sufferings. Amen. He drew near. His purpose was to redeem the fullness of humanity. Therefore, he needed to experience the fullness of what it is to be human. He doesn't just redeem your heart. He doesn't just want your heart and your spirit and just get this body off of me because it's no good. No. It's the whole person. It's the body, it's the soul, it's the spirit. He redeems the lot. Amen? Praise God. The third thing that we see, they were crying out. And on earth, glory to God in eyes, and on earth, peace. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. You see, when we think about peace, we, many times we're just thinking about the just some quiet and calm, right? Just some quiet and calm. Yes, that word peace can mean that. It can mean a place of calm and quiet. And yes, we do all need that, don't we? Let me tell you that it means so much more than that. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have... Peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anybody that believes in the substitutionary death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning in this place? Anybody? Praise God. And so by faith, you have been justified, the Bible says. You've been made right in His Son. And therefore, what else? Having been justified by faith, we 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, the cessation of hostilities. We are not at enmity anymore with God. We are not living as enemies of God anymore. We're not living independent, simple, rebellious lives anymore, friends. Yes, we mess up. But that's not the lifestyle that we live, right? We don't live in that place of rebellion and sinfulness and ignorance and independence. No, friends, we've been justified by faith and therefore we have peace with God. There's been a declaration of peace. Not just a declaration of this person is acquitted from all their sins. But also that there is peace. There's a declaration of peace. Hostilities have ended. Well, let me tell you something. And we said it last night. The Bible tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Yes? God was in Christ. He reconciled the creation to himself. But then he goes on to say, the apostle said, Therefore, we implore you, be reconciled. You see, people are only one living as enemies of God because they want to live as enemies of God. The, the declaration of peace has already made. There is a way to be reconciled. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a way to know peace with God and it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can see on that night, friends, why the angels were crying out, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill, goodwill toward men. You see when that little baby boy was being born on that night in Bethlehem, he was being born into the world with the one purpose, and he would fulfill that purpose. And he came with that purpose. And that purpose was to make it possible, not just to reveal the Father to a fallen creation, but also to make it possible for us to come into fellowship with the Father once again, with God. Amen. Praise God. And it was a certain, the night that he was born into the world, was certain that one day that boy would grow up and he would hang upon that tree in Calvary. He would hang on that tree and pay the price for your sin and for my sin. And he would not stay dead, friends. On the third day, we're going to celebrate this shortly. On the third day, he would demonstrate his authority and power over, over the grave and over death as he was raised to life. And that's why I believe that the, the, the angels were crying out that night. It was the gift of God's peace. The gift of God's peace. They were marveling at the gift of God's peace to men. Hallelujah. What does it say? On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. Though sin grieves him, though he abhors sin with everything that he is, because it contra contradicts everything that he is. And it's so destructive and damning. Sin and rebellion. And yet God's heart towards his creation is what? Peace and goodwill toward men through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. What we've seen this morning one salvation. It originated with God and it ends with God. Our God is a saving God. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Secondly, God Himself has drawn near to us by taking on human flesh. He's not the God somewhere out there that we're trying to reach all the time through mystical experiences. He's a God that's come 
to live and dwell within us. Amen. Bless the Lord. Finally, peace, peace has come through his sacrificial love. Something I want to tell you. Those lambs, those sheep that were being, were being bred on that particular, that particular area of Bethlehem, they, they were born with a specific purpose. And that specific purpose was to, was to become a sacrifice in the temple of Jerusalem. Those were specific flocks with specific shepherds to look after. And those animals were sacrificed regularly. Yes. Isn't it interesting that Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And he was born in the same place. The Lamb of God came into the world in the same place where those little lambs were grazing on those hills. Those sheep, the very place where the sacrificial lambs of the temple there's no coincidences in the scripture. No, no coincidences. Praise God for His goodness. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we glorify you. We magnify you, Holy Lord, when we stop and we consider these things, we're in awe as well. And we just helps us to understand a little more why the angels would cry out when they cried out. Glory to God in the highest. I mean, it is all glory to your name. It all starts with you. We claim to you. Lord, we just worship and honor your name. We give you thanks for the wonder, hallelujah, the wonder of your salvation, the mystery of your incarnation, the gift of your peace. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to, just keep playing. Look, I'm just going to, last night, I'm sharing this morning, last night, unfortunately, we, we received some tragic news from Brazil. We had uh, a very good friend of our family and uh, an elder in the church, a neighbour of my mother and father-in-law, who was killed in a, in a car crash in Brazil. Uh, and obviously, the shock this morning, the shock, you know, last night for the family and everything, and just thinking, you know, their Christmases. And there's so many people, we've heard it this morning, there's so many people who, who for this, this time of year, we talk about the joy of the Lord. And it's a struggle. And it's a struggle. And I just felt it right this morning to to pray with people that if you if you're one of those people that struggles at this time of year whatever reason it might be something you're going through now it may be something that you, you've gone through and you're traumatised about something that, that, that kind of like just suppresses that joy of the Lord and sometimes you, you feel there's a joy because you've got that joy of the Lord but you just feel it being overwhelmed by maybe grief, sorrow, trauma whatever it is they want to pray with you and I'm going to invite you to come forward. To be brave to come forward. If nobody comes, praise God, that's fine. But if you feel today you need some prayer, we want to pray with you. Amen. So we're going to worship the Lord with a song as we do. Just feel free.